Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. I am Tom Brown, and your host today, Billy Thrall. Hey, yo. Welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. We're fired up about this show, but a little sad because we don't know if we're going to do Koinonia after this. You all right back there? Okay. But we're excited about today because, again, thank you, Tom Brown, for trusting me to have this little space. And I'm really thankful to have sort of my last guest for this season to be a good friend and follower of Jesus and an inspiration. But we'll get to you in just a second. Let me tell you a little bit what happens here on Koinonia. Uh, Tom created this show to talk about community and fellowship, and he's asked me to do something every week, and that is talk about what I'm doing, Movement Day Arizona. It's a platform that we want to see the body of Christ united to serve our cities. And I want to start this show, as I start most shows, reminding us of the great call that God gave his people in the book of Jeremiah, where they weren't where they wanted to be. So it's a great reminder, what is God asking of us when we're not home yet? We're not where we think we're supposed to be. And the context in Jeremiah chapter 29 is, God says, I have put you in exile. So it's crazy. You know, we would think, boy, why isn't God going to give me the perfect job, the perfect family, the perfect everything? And God's like, hey, I probably have you where you are right now on purpose. And God's, so we might think, well, okay, I'll tolerate where God's put me. I'll survive this. But in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet, speaking for God, says, I've put you in exile on purpose, and while you're there, would you start companies, start business, farm the land, have your children marry the children of these people who are not of your tradition? And we might think, well, that's crazy. What's God doing? God's message to us, and it culminates in in verse 7 of Jeremiah 29. He says, pray for and seek the prosperity, the shalom of the cities of the land where I have placed you, because in its shalom and its prosperity, you'll find your own hope, your own shalom. That's an amazing verse, because God is actually saying, we want to get healthy, you want to get well, Part of getting well is praying for the prosperity of the others around you. That we actually find our wellness, our wholeness in how the other people in our city are doing. It's kind of a radical thought. I'm all for personal health. I'm all for personal well-being. But God actually, many passages in Scripture, says, I've placed you there. You're going to bless those people. But there's another second piece to that. They're going to bless you. And the whole healthy movement of the community is actually going to create an environment where everybody gets what God intended in the first place. That's the platform I'm hoping to create out of Movement Day. I know that's the heartbeat of many, many churches, many, many people who follow Jesus. But it's a really good reminder to say we are not in this alone. We are not in this just for our own sake. That we might say, well, you know what? I'll really get serious about God when or if, or I'll really see what I do as important kingdom work someday. God doesn't think that way. God's saying, I got you where you are today for a purpose. 
Yes, I know you might hate your job. Yes, I know you wish you were someone else. So the platform for this show today with my friend Paul is to talk about that. How do we see God flourishing our city by uniting the church? So we got to take a break. And in a little bit, I'm going to introduce you to a pretty cool guy with an amazing story, heading up a really big deal. And we're going to enjoy talking about that. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. Come back right after this short break. We're going to drill into these things we've talked Be back in a minute. We are back. <laughs> I got the cue, Bill. Okay, we're good. I'm back. This is Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. Thanks for hanging in there with us after that introduction. And now we're going to drill into it. As I said, I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day, and we are going to talk about how God's going to bless our city and already blessing our city by the church unifying together to serve the least of, to serve the poor, to serve our cities together. So my guest today is somebody that God has just given that same heartbeat. And I love this guy. He is a blast. We get to do stuff together on a professional level. And he's really smart. So I don't know which of that's going to come out (laughs) through this interview. But Paul Mulligan, welcome. Thank you, Billy. Great being here. (laughs) Paul, tell us a little bit of your story, and then we'll drill into the work you do and how we're connecting. But who in the world is Paul Mulligan and how... How did you end up on this wow, show, if this that's is the a, theme? Yeah. How much time do we have for this show? A minute and a half. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, <laughs> we need about five seconds on that one. Um, I'll go ahead and, and actually uh, quote uh, our beloved Pope Francis, if I can jump right in. Who's Paul Mulligan? Paul Mulligan is a sinner. No. Nice. Paul Mulligan is redeemed by God. Nice. I love that. And um, so I know my identity in Christ. And uh, uh, it's it's such a privilege to to be here in Phoenix at this time. I think there's so many exciting things mm. coming Um right now in our community. I'm from Phoenix, um, multi-generational family here in Arizona, going back to 1906. And um, my wife is from here as well. Um, we actually met when Pope John Paul II came to Phoenix. So we were at ASU Stadium in 1987 on the infield there representing the the youth of the church at the nice. time. Little did we know we would actually become uh, lifelong mates together. But uh, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary here and just thrilled to be part of the community again after some time uh, away with the Navy and on the East Coast with some nonprofit work, but uh, really, really blessed to be where I am at Catholic Charities mm-hmm. at this time. And, and your to, role at Catholic Charities is? So I'm the president and CEO uh, since uh, fall of 2014, came on board, an organization with, you know, we like to say 84 years young, a lot mm-hmm. of great history serving in the in the uh, community, uh, but a really beautiful organization um, with so much potential if we really tap into, I love what you said about blessing um, the, the city right? And how we are blessed by that as well. And it's such a great dynamic for this whole model of how we serve, right? Why we serve, uh, the Lord comes to us and tells us he's there, right? We can't see him. Uh, we can't just go point to Jesus out in the street or can we? And, uh, the point is, yeah, you know, he tells us, he really challenges us that 
these folks that are out there that are hurting, that are marginalized, that are poor, vulnerable. That's him coming to us in the modern day. We don't see him walking around Nazareth or Jerusalem, but we see him right there uh, on the street corner, sometimes holding a sign, sometimes just asking for help, or sometimes with no voice at all. And um, how beautiful it is to be able to see the Lord there. It takes eyes of faith to do that, but to see the Lord coming to us in the year 2017, 2018, uh, what, a, what a privilege it is to be able to serve him. And that when we go serve him, and we see him there, and we really do see through eyes of faith it's Christ coming to us, um, how much we are blessed in that process, how much we discover who we are in serving the least of, of our brothers and sisters. Beautiful. So uh, you're currently with Catholic Charities, and I want to talk about all, I mean, how many ministries? I don't know. So many, dozens and dozens of ministries all over the place, all over Arizona, actually, but really we'll talk about Maricopa County, sort of your wheelhouse in northern Arizona. But I do think your background's really interesting. And um, who would have thunk? I mean, I'm pretty sure when you were going to Brophy uh, as a kid and growing up in north central Phoenix like, like I did, uh, that you would be running this thing. This did not seem to be the career path for you. So I do think it's interesting, sort of God's journey with you. Tell folks a little bit how Paul Mulligan ended up the president of Catholic Charities. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, I'll tell you, the uh, the real roots for me, first of all, I uh, really grew up in a good um, holy family. Um, just amazing good, real to people, hear that. Real Isn't people, that great? But, but a, a wonderful family with uh, seven brothers and sisters and, and parents that, are, that really love each other. Um, so I got introduced to Christ at a young age, um, you know, practiced my faith, really knew how important it was that my faith not just be something at an intellectual level, but that it be uh, kind of translated into how I live my life, right? The choices that I make and so forth. So uh, kind of walking around, you mentioned Brophy, but really being on campus, that was the first time that I had uh, my eyes opened and just a, you know, an end of class discussion that was going on mm-hmm. had to do with the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was just interesting to kind of see how my peers responded. This is 1984. I'm just a freshman. Um, but when the question was put to us about the issue of abortion and, you know, what do we think about it and so forth, by and large, the guys that I went to school with were sort of disconnected on that issue. Mm-hmm. They didn't think it was a, a man's issue, that maybe they were in support of it actually, but there was really nobody that thought there was something fundamentally off with the lack of protection for unborn human beings. And that was to me just a pivotal moment in my life where I just kind of realized, wow, we've got this massive social injustice. At the time, I really saw it as a justice issue uh, regarding the rights of the unborn. Um, I've since kind of evolved, if you want to say, in my thinking to really see it as a mercy issue as well Mm -hmm. for those women that have had abortions, for the men that are impacted as well, uh, been involved. Right. But it's such a uh, an area where um, God can work at the heart level. You know, his dynamic is not that he asks us, asks us to be perfect, but that in our weakness, he's strong mm. and he can use something like the experience of of an abortion and so forth. Right. To draw somebody back to him and show mm. who he is as this merciful, loving, compassionate father. So that's what kind of drew me in was really getting involved around that issue and then kind of followed me into the Navy and took me, you know, when I was overseas and had an opportunity to get involved in a, in a community over in Guam while I was stationed on shore duty there. Yeah, you know, we we were very quickly approached with this issue, three abortion clinics on the island, no help center. Mm-hmm. So my wife uh, kind of rallied with me. We worked with those local leaders and started putting together kind of a, a good comprehensive plan to support people on that island. Um that ended up being pretty pivotal in that it, it felt like the Lord was tapping me in the shoulder. This is still peacetime Navy pre-9-11, but it really did feel as though the Lord was saying, you know, this leadership and these things you can maybe do strategically working with people, you know, that's something that has a um, a larger role in his church. 
So more explicitly, you know, so I, I actually left the Navy not because I wanted to leave the Navy, but because I really felt yeah. as though the Lord was leading me out, went, got my theology degree, stayed active in that sort of movement, really uh, running a pro-life organization back in the East Coast, Maryland, D.C., and ultimately came back to the kind of land of my birth here in 2007. So I kind of stayed active with the church and in this kind of ministry. But I think you were asking kind of, you know, hey, how do you, how do you sort of show up at Catholic Charities? Really just seems to me like an appointed time, yeah. right? Like God just working with a lot of things. And what we're, where we need to be as an organization is closer to Christ. We just need to keep, you know, staying close to him, staying united to him, um, seeing how God really created this organization to serve and love his people. And if we understand that fundamental identity about Catholic charities, and we can really be his vessels, we can really be his conduit of his love, his mercy, his compassion in the world today. This is Quinterney on Faith Talk 1360. That's Paul Mulligan of Catholic Charities. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. It's interesting, Paul, because in 1984, it was 33 years ago. Is that right? 43 years ago. How many years ago was that? <laughs> Don't make me think. 33. 33, yeah. yeah. No. That's not right. Yes, yes it. it is. Okay, that's good. Whew. Sorry. That's the year I met my wife. Okay, good. I got it. 33 years ago, you're a freshman in high school, and God starts to put something in your heart. And this, this whole right to life, the sanctity of life, which what others felt like a conversation at school, actually became a calling. And yet you go into the Navy. You know, it's not the Navy isn't out there doing it, but you use that platform of being in the Navy to start a clinic that helps the other side and sort of creates a life clinic and a care clinic for families on Guam, but still in the Navy, right? right. And so what changed? What was the thing that you said, you know what, now it's, now it's time for me to take this on full time? What, what clicked in your head? What changed in your heart? What, what happened that you said, you know what, now this is what I want to do all the time? Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, you're making me kind of think back to some of those um, decision points in my life. And it's kind of funny. I've, I've had a few people say, oh, you know, hey, what a, what a courageous story. You got to re- resign from the Navy over this life issue. I did write a pretty impassioned departure letter <laughs> that's probably still hanging on a wall someplace over there. Or not. Bureau of Naval Personnel. Or not, right. I'm trying to find you. Um, but but in all seriousness, um, I, I had, you know, some people kind of maybe respond to it that way. And to be totally honest, I don't look at it that way. I think it's probably the way God seems to work in my life mm-hmm. is he puts a conviction on my heart and then I go with it. And if I were to really stop and think about it, I'd probably say that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think about the implications on my wife, my family, my career. And honestly, you know, maybe I would think differently or choose differently if that were mm-hmm. the case. But it really was one of those things that just over, I was really overcome with this sense of um, needing to respond uh, there was some reading I was doing while I was on leave uh, in Hawaii, actually, uh, before I made the decision to resign. And um, there was just a simple statement in a church document that said, civilized societies do not promote abortion. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking about that, and that, that that line just never really left me. I was sitting there thinking, my gosh, just think about how widespread, like structural, this has become in our society it's a massive profit machine. It touches everybody. Pretty much one out of three women by the time they're age 45 have had an abortion experience, which means the men as well, right, that have been impacted by this. You think of the siblings. You think about all the generational things, um, most of which is kind of unresolved grief. We don't have permission in the society to grieve anyways on, on certainly something that's considered legal, your right, a show of strength. Um, so 
gosh, it just seemed seemed to me like the way God was working with me was to put this conviction on my heart. And, and then I responded passionately, again, as I say that letter. And before I know it, I'm out of the Navy. Uh, so it's kind of like, wow, um, hope this plan. I put myself out there, God. Was I supposed to? Yeah. I mean, my wife was kind of missing some of the nice base housing options that we would have had probably in, New, in uh, right. you know, Newport or Monterey or some of these other great Navy places. But uh, I think that's the way God works with me. He must know sort of that if I really were to get too analytical or think about it, I'd probably waver a bit. Mm. So he maybe gets my attention. I respond quickly and mm. and so forth. But I think that's what was going on. And there. I know you enough to say you didn't shut your brain off. You didn't shut logic off, but this time in your life, your heart was driving it. That other times, you're, all of those were going different. You were an officer in the Navy. You had to use your brain all the time, but this was like a calling. This was different. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and then kind of your role at Catholic Charities and how that's sort of the heartbeat of what you're trying to bring into your work. That's Paul Mulligan at Catholic Charities. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. We're on Koinonia. This is a show Tom Brown created to talk about our community, our city, here on Faith Talk 1360. We got to take a little break. When we come back, more great stories about God's work through Paul, his family, his friends, the work at Catholic Charities, and how we are praying and working toward the blessing of our cities. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. You can check it out, Movement Day Arizona. It's going to be at Grand Canyon University in September, gathering what we're going to call the smartest minds with the biggest hearts all in the same room, working on the issues that we all seem to care about. My one line tag under Movement Day Arizona, I just changed it on the flyer and on the brochure and on the website, is uniting the church to serve our cities. That's what this is about. There is only one church. So beautiful to be reminded of that. And it's so healthy for us as a church when we come together, work together, serve together. I'm going to get back to Paul Mulligan in just a second, but to to context a little bit of how Paul and I met and some of the things we get to work on, blessing families and vulnerable children around our state and the governor's world and Paul's relationship in that. But this is the metaphor that I want to use to help us on this radio show and you listening to understand movement day, to understand, I think we're Catholic charities heartbeat. And here's my illustration. Uh, I was a youth pastor for eight years. And if I would have tried to do a month long talk theme with my youth group on prayer, two kids would come probably because their parents made them. Wouldn't work. It was just boring high school thing. If I tried to do a month long conversation on unity of the body of Christ by none would get zero showed up for that month. My, my, if I did try to do a, a theme on, you know, God's heart, zero, I realized that when we're sitting in church, the themes don't go anywhere. They don't sink in. But every year we would load up a bunch of kids in some vans and some tools and we would go to Mexico and we would build houses in the dumps in Tijuana. Suddenly we're praying together. Suddenly being unified, because we got to build a house, makes sense. Suddenly strengths, gifts, spiritual disciplines, 
man, they are rising to the surface. Suddenly fears and hopes and insecurities and all the themes I could have taught 52 weeks a year at my youth group are happening because we're on mission together. There's something that happens when there's a mission in front of you, when there's a crisis in front of you. We hear the same themes when there's an earthquake in Haiti, when there's a, when there's a hurricane in, in Mississippi. The church unifies and has the same goal, and we all were the same team headed in the same direction. I think sometimes we forget that we're on mission. So we fight each other, we argue who's going to get what seat, who should talk the most. We forget that's just irrelevant to a dying planet, to a hurting planet. So I know this is Paul's heartbeat. It is mine as well to remind the church we're on mission here. This, we're not here for us. We're, we're here for the people who aren't with us yet, for the vulnerable, for the unchurched. So I just tell that metaphor again, because I, th- I do know it's part of why Paul and I love each other and love working on stuff together. Okay, Paul, again, you're at Catholic Charities. Uh, love how God orchestrated that in your life and got you there. Talk about, it's so good for people to hear this, what does Catholic Charities do? I, for, a, for a non-Catholic, sometimes we might think, what, are they, what do you do? And then I drill in and see, oh my gosh, you're doing all the things we want to do anyway, and you've been doing it a long time. I'll fill in. So you start making the list. You start doing it because what, it is so fun to partner with you guys because you're in the trenches. So 80 plus years at this work doing what, what types of things? Right. Uh, well, We've been in Phoenix, uh, here in the Diocese of Phoenix, which encompasses basically central and northern Arizona, founded in 1933, around the issue, actually, our first employee uh, first employee was actually a child welfare director. We were working with uh, kind of troubled youth at the time, kids that are just kind of running around in the city um, and needed direction, needed um, that kind of stable family situation, et cetera. So those are our roots. Um, so in many ways, not much has changed since 1933 when you look at where we are with foster care, for example, right now. Uh, but we basically work in kind of three predominant areas, missionaries. One is around shelter. Um, so that might be work that we do with veterans experiencing homelessness or with victims of domestic violence in a family shelter. It could be with jail reentry. Um, could be any number of these kinds of things uh, around shelter. We work on youth. And so this could be, you know, the whole western half of Maricopa County is um, Catholic Charities runs its Head Start programming. So you probably know Head uh Head Start is a federal program working at zero to five-year-old level. I love that Catholic Charities is doing it because we really have a different view of the person in a family than, say, maybe a government view. Mm-hmm. So it's great for us to be in that area. Uh, we, we work in a lot of public schools, coming in, teaching abstinence education, responsibility education. Really great that we can be there, again, instead of maybe some other folks that right. might have a holistic view of the person. And then uh, lastly, working with strengthening families. So, for example, I mentioned shelter, a lot of overlap. We run a bunch of affordable housing communities around the valley, and uh, when you come and live in one of our affordable communities, um, you really get kind of this wraparound of service and support. A lot of the residents will describe it as being part of a family mm-hmm. with Catholic Charities. So that might just be kind of the yep. the high level. There's about 22 specific yep. programs. They include things like foster care, immigration, refugee, uh, resettlement. Again, we talk about veterans. Uh, we talk about sex trafficking. Lots of these different kind of specialized programs. We have some very specialized workers, well-credentialed, you know, all the things you would expect in a professional agency. But I think one of the best things that we offer, right, is the affirmation of the dignity of the person. Mm-hmm. 
So this is where it's great to be licensed and credentialed and have those services we can provide to the community, which the community needs. But more important is that relationship. So we know this as Christians, that it's not about rules and regulations. It's not that old way of doing business in our relationship with God, that he's keeping some kind of scorecard in a courtroom. It's God as a loving father in a family room. And we're as children. So, you know, so much of what we do is about kind of bringing God's love and healing to the community with these vulnerable populations. And I think like Matthew 25, Mm. right? Big, big one for us about the least of our brothers and sisters where Christ is really coming to us. I think the Good Samaritan, Mm. another great example of how God can oftentimes work. We have to be really careful as Christians because a lot of times those stories that Christ tells um, really sort of should give us some pause. You know, it's sometimes the people that are in the church Mm that can miss God's heart. And in the case of the priest and the Levite walking by that guy thinking they're following the rules, they really miss the compassion and the mercy that God wants to show to this person that's hurting, right? And that really, that Good Samaritan is coming to us, that's really God coming to us, right? We're, we're like that wounded soul on the side of the road that's been left for dead, and here's God coming to us with all of his heart and love of a father. Beautiful. This is uh, Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. That's Paul Mulligan at Catholic Charities. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. What I also, you didn't say this, but you, you're Catholic Charities, but you don't have to be a Catholic to, to work at Catholic Charities, and you definitely don't have to believe in God to get love done by Catholic Charities. It's really important to know that that your mission is driven by, by Jesus and driven by the, the church calling us to action, but the people you serve are, are everybody and anybody, so the homeless— the veteran, the person reentering, you're not, you're not checking to see their spiritual background. You're loving them in the name of Jesus. It's a really important distinction because I think sometimes people might feel, well, you're not approachable. I'm not a Catholic, right? And you're like, no, we're for everybody. So how, where does that come from? How, what's that background? Yeah, I love that. Um, so, you know, we don't ask if you're Catholic or, um, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, we don't ask that. We just ask, how can we help you, right? What do you need? Beautiful. Say that um, again. I mean, I think you say it so quickly I've heard you say it before, but that's a, that's a great line. Yeah, we, we don't ask if you're Catholic or Christian. We just ask you, what do you need? How can we help you, right? And that's, that's a beautiful approach. I think this is such a great um, uh, kind of agency from a standpoint of kind of modern evangelization, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of different approaches, right? We see different approaches towards how do you share the gospel with people in the community. Um, and there are a lot of really legitimate approaches. Uh, one, I think, beautiful way, though, is... Uh, people who have need, people that, you know, the Lord talks about this in Scripture. You know, if you if you just give to people that can repay you, I mean, mm. kind of what's the merit? But what what if you could do something for somebody that really can't repay mm. you? Isn't there just something beautiful about that? And in many ways, um, it invites us into this dynamic where we really see um, not that we have and you don't, so we're going to give you. What if we could have a deeper relationship where we could actually see the gift you are to us mm. of reminding us of our ultimate dependency and vulnerability before God, right? I, I think when Jesus talks about the poor you will always have with you, right, you could look at that one way and be kind of depressed, like, well, then what are we even doing here um, to help all these people, right? Uh, but what I think that does is it invites us to kind of recognize what the poor and the vulnerable and the marginalized show us is that ultimate dependence on another, mm. the ultimate safety that we find in God's love and his family. So... That's an invitation for us to kind of see the real, really the um, kind of the eternal plan being worked out right here in Phoenix, Arizona, or in in Arizona, right? You you're making me think that um, the community is only as strong as its weakest member. You know, we're like a chain, 
a chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And sometimes we want to think, well, our culture is amazing because look at these three links that are so awesome, you know, these resourced, amazing people. And I think Jesus is going, well, part of the chain's about to snap. And you're only as strong as that weakest link, as that weakest person. And I think that's, a, that's an eternal perspective. That's a kingdom perspective. But that's super challenging because our tendency, our human tendency, will be to fall into easy and comfort and resourced. But Jesus never, Jesus didn't do that. And he definitely didn't call his disciples to that. Uh, I, I'm thinking about oftentimes when people say something, I want to put it through the grid of what that first century apostle heard. So if you'd have told the original disciples, hey, man, believe in Jesus and it's all going to be awesome. And you're not just going to be an employee. You're going to own the company and you're going to have an amazing, prosperous life. And those first 12 apostles and then 11 apostles and then include Paul later, they're going, what? I'm sorry, I've been beaten and shipwrecked and tortured and starving and because I follow Jesus. And it's, that's not that he's calling us to a miserable life, but he is calling us to an obedient life, not a prosperous life. And I think we've got to take a break, Paul, but when we come back, we'll drill into that a little bit more. And what's God teaching us in engaging the other um, and it's a, when it's a challenge? That's Paul Mulligan, my brother in Christ, who's over there at Catholic Charities these days. We grew up by each other. His cousin was on my tennis team at Sunny Slope. Man, there's a lot to go into. Really, though, passionate for, for Jesus and the kingdom here in Phoenix. We got to take a break. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out online. We'd love to have you partner with us in what we're doing to transform our city for the sake of Jesus. Take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona, hanging out with my buddy Paul Mulligan of Catholic Charities. I shouldn't say it like that. He's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Navy officer. What else? You know, president. I'm not president of anything. President of Catholic Charities, killing it, doing great. Hiring all my favorite people. <laughs> all my friends work for you now. Actually, can I, can I add that? You to can do whatever thing? you, you know, want to. You were asking about who can work at Catholic yeah. Charities, and you know, it is a it's a pretty diverse organization. Yeah. I'd say one thing that's really exciting about where we are at this point in time right now is we really are working to kind of reclaim that faith based core, right? Yeah. Uh, being really clear why we do this. There's a lot of great human service organizations that we all benefit from, and we we're, we're blessed to have them in our community. But this is not just about human service, right? This is about ultimately sharing God's love. And it's a beautiful form of modern evangelization Mm -hmm. to be able to be a part of this team and to understand our mission and to understand that it's not just the goods and services in a transactional way that we provide, but it's actually the healing that can happen when somebody discovers that they're lovable and that they're loved, right? When even their family won't deal with them, Mm -hmm. their friends, they don't have any. Um, But you've got somebody that kind of comes in the name of Catholic Charities, in the name of the church, in the name of Christ, who enters in their life and loves them. And that's a beautiful, powerful thing. But I love, you're right, you do have a lot of friends that, you, that keep coming over here. And you know what, honestly, I'm just thrilled because we are just trying to get clearer and clearer of, of the passion for this mission, of really understanding the roots of why we serve, who we're working for is Jesus, right? 
And um, that just is a great invitation for folks that want to be part of something really meaningful like that to come join the team. Yeah. We need these really passion-driven people. So we've got some awesome Catholics and Christians, and we've got some folks that are pretty motivated out of their love of God that are on this team. We have people that want to just serve their neighbor, and they really love their neighbor. And that's okay, right? We do that. But it's a beautiful evangelization happening in the community, and I think there's a real evangelization happening within the agency, too, that we're all being called closer to Christ. So tapping into that passion, I want to ask you this question. Is there a story in the recent in recent history in the last week or so where you just went, man, that's why I do what I do? I mean, you you watched it happen, brought a tear to your eye, and you were just like, wow, that's God at work. Is there a story that you could... You don't have to give names. You don't have to give agencies. But you're just like, what's the situation that that you have an amazing team? They're out there doing stuff every day. But what's something that's hit Paul Mulligan where you're like, wow, this is why I love getting to do what I do? Uh, share something, uh, a story like that. Yeah, you know, well, actually, I can just start right close to home with with a team member of ours that, you know, is here we are. We do really great work in foster care. We get out. We recruit families. We train them. We get them licensed through Arizona so that they can get out there and help these roughly 18,000 kids that are living out of their home in Arizona. And you sit there and think, you know, gosh, we, the church, mm. have allowed this to be the case that you've got 18,000 orphans, basically, you know, living in group homes and, and living away from their families. Um, and we've got a couple of team members that just this weekend had a great experience. You know, one has got a 14-year-old girl that's decided, you know, after meeting them, he and his wife, uh, I want to go live with this family. I want this to be my Amazing. own. You know, living in a group home. This was just a conversation this morning. But living in a group home, you know, with, with four girls in a room. Um, been from group home to group home to group home. And, you know, here's the opportunity for her to come find her place in a family. That's awesome. We had another team member that actually this last weekend was doing her first week of respite care mm-hmm. as she's exploring getting involved in foster care. So, I mean, that stuff in the agency, there's amazing things happening everywhere. But as I mentioned, the stuff happening within the agency Your is just staff beautiful. Is right? actually it's beautiful. Doing yeah. the same These thing. are people that really believe this, mm-hmm. right? And personally live it. That's that's what really motivates me is kind of when I see how deep people are in, in their love for God and, and how they want to serve Christ. So I was going to ask a question, and you use the word motivate. Uh, they're, sometimes we're motivated by by, by bad by something that's not breaking our heart because we're happy, but breaking our heart because we're sad. What are the things that motivate you right now because it's breaking your heart that things are the way they are? Yeah. Um, maybe I just draw, you know, we. I'll, I'll touch a hot topic for you. And this is, um, in, in the United States, there's about a million abortions a year, about a million miscarriages. And that's about half of all pregnancies that end in either abortion or miscarriage. And behind each one of those events is a person who's really wounded, persons, right, a couple, a family that's been kind of impacted by this. Um, And I'm really excited that Catholic Charities is stepping into this space, right? We have wonderful counselors. We've got excellent history of dealing with these kinds of things. But this is kind of a new territory for us is to really kind of get beyond the politics. That's what's really hard for people. That's why I say kind of bringing up a, a hot topic. You know, it's hard for people not to politicize this issue of abortion and see the person. And I know for me, as you were talking earlier in the program, you know, with my own story, I was originally motivated by kind of the injustice done to the unborn. And I never really had the perspective of woman as victim. Mm. I always saw woman as victimizer, right? And it wasn't until doing that work in Guam that really, after coming in contact with people who were hurting, who were exploited, you know, dancers and prostitutes and other folks that basically didn't, this isn't the life they were choosing. Mm. They themselves had been kind of exploited and abused and were in these impossible situations. So that's when my heart started moving from 
just kind of a justice perspective perspective on this thing to really God's mercy. And, you know, if God can be merciful, why can't I, right? So I think, like, this is a great example of where Catholic Charities is. Uh, we have an opportunity to reach some people that are really out there, kind of marginalized. They may work next to you and me, and um, but they've somehow been kind of shackled in chains over, you know, some sin of the past or some event of the past. It's just very hard to get past. It just touches at the core who they are. And they don't have permission to grieve. They don't have permission to heal. So... I love that we're doing that. I mean, I really love that that's going to be a space that we can sort of bring God's healing into into our community. Those are good words, Paul. That's Paul Mulligan of Catholic Charities. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona here on Quinonia, Faith, Faith Talk 1360. You know, as you were talking, I'm thinking this line I don't think I've ever said out loud before. Maybe we politicize things so that we have permission to not pay attention to it. That we say, well, that's a political issue. I don't want to see it. You know, we'll wait, we'll wait till the next election to feel that thing or look at that thing because it's political. And it might just be an excuse to stop seeing people because it's a political issue. And I, I think what you're saying again is there is the hard work is to make it not a political issue, to see the human beings behind it. All that being said, you and I both understand that we're not writing off politics here. That for, I believe, for a movement to take place, for God to really move among us, he's going to move in the marketplace. He's going to move in the nonprofit sector. He's going to move in church. He's going to move in families. He's going to also move in government circles. And we, we don't have to use names here, but you and I both understand the role of the church engaging in a healthy way with the way government works. And we've bumped into this together on some councils and things we've worked on. Here's the way I would say it. Maybe you can correct me how you see it. I think the church stepping up and doing amazing things to serve the least of forces government agencies to pay attention. But when the church is absent, in the absence of a healthy church context, government steps into that void. And I don't know, and you're expert. I want both. I want us both to work alongside each other. I want people who love Jesus in the government sector. But I keep getting challenged to say, okay, church, pointing our fingers again at the government is like the same thing as saying, well, that's a political issue. Now, it kind of means I don't have to get engaged. And I, I think God's calling the church, the local church, local churches, Christian nonprofits to wake up and, and step into the space so that government has to pay attention to a holistic way of care. How would you say that? I love that. Well, Christ says, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. And so there is a, um, a legitimacy, in fact, a responsibility, right, for faithful citizenship to touch the voting booth, um, you know, the local issues and so forth, and to kind of work collaboratively in a community. So I love what Movement Day is doing in that regard is sort of like um, being a convener, Right. To kind of get people together around these issues that people could look at it as a social issue, um, you know, kind of see things through that lens. Our, our bishop, uh, Thomas Olmsted, said at the Catholic Charities Miracles Breakfast, I love what he said. He said, you know, um, this is we're not talking about problems to be solved. We're talking about persons to be loved. I love right? when he said that. And just shifting yeah. that whole discussion to say it again. Of, yeah. You know, this really is not line. a problem to be solved. It's a person to be loved. So I, that's like something, for example, we need to just keep feeding off of at Catholic Charities is kind of that, that that importance in the balance between we didn't need, need to be professionals. So there's things we need to do for people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a person mm-hmm. that we're loving. And it's a person who's coming to us and teaching us more about who we are. 
So, yeah, I think it's absolutely critical, this engagement with uh, with government and so forth. And what you're doing on Movement Day is just one awesome step of being that community convener for us. I think if you're listening and you're thinking, boy, I want to be part of the solution, I always tell people one of the first things I would like for you to do is find out who's already out there doing it. And how do people get a hold of Paul Mulligan? How do they get a hold of Catholic Charities? You guys are kind of the thought leader in 22 strategic areas. I know the, the Unaccompanied Minors program is in your lap. That We're talking to Education First Head Start program is in your lap. You guys do housing. You do a lot of things. And somebody might be listening and say, man, our family wanted to get involved in that issue. We should probably <laughs> learn from the experts at Catholic Charities. How do they find you? How do they find Catholic Charities? Well, I'll say real quickly that yes. one thing I love is that, you know, it's hard to put us in a box, yeah. right? And I think actually when you're really doing uh, Christ's work, it's like that because it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, what, what seems to be one person's motivating issue is a stick in the eye of the other, right? Yeah. We could talk about refugee resettlement, which yeah. is a sensitive issue. You want to keep the country safe. The key being you don't ever want to look past the person yeah. and just never forget that. And, you know, we're working on on healing veterans that have been yeah. off fighting for our country as well. And so there's all these issues that might seemingly be at odds we can do. To reach us, catholiccharitiesaz.org. Great place to go, good resource. Um, we have an app that we're putting out here, Catholic Charities Arizona as well. So would love to engage there. And, and please, if there's some area that you'd like to explore, what we could collaborate together. We do a lot of really wonderful projects with uh, uh, churches throughout the valley, with schools, a lot of different things that allow people to be part of, of loving the community. And you'll be at Movement Day, and we'll in a lot of different tracks, and you're going to be a sponsor and a co-host, and the bishop's going to be doing our prayers. Bishop Navarez will be praying up front. So there's a lot of relationship and partnership here. If you're listening, you're like, boy, I, I want to get some of this. Uh, you can also find me, bthrall, at movementdayarizona.com, and I'd love to connect you with these guys. we got to take one more break. Come back for a little close. Paul, have you pray for us when we come back after the break. Again, thank you for listening. This is Koinonia, Faith Talk 1360. Paul Mulligan loves Jesus and is honored to serve him, and I am honored to be his friend and work on stuff together with him. So thank you for being here, Paul. We'll take one more break. Come back. Pray the things that God asks us to pray, that our cities would flourish. And we think the way that's going to happen is by those who know Jesus finding each other, unifying with each other to serve those who aren't in yet, but are glorifying God in our work. So we'll be back in just a minute. What a blast. What a blast. What a blast. Thanks, Paul, for being here. Uh, this has been a really sweet time for me to be reminded again uh, how God redeems each of us individually, how he works in our lives, and then he helps us find others who are working on these things together. We get stronger, bumping into others that he has rescued. So in 84, while you were hearing God kind of call you on the sanctity of life issue, I was in college having this radical reconversion as Jesus called me into ministry. So it's just sweet how these stories collide. And Paul, I really do appreciate you. I really appreciate your role uh, at Catholic Charities, your big picture view of how God works in our city, your humility. You lead with such great humility. So would you pray for us, pray for our city, the work that we're watching happen in our city, that God would bless Phoenix 
pray for us and the listeners as we kind of close this out. I'd love to do that. And, and of course, you know from Scripture that uh, Christ came to reveal that God is a trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes. So um, kind of in a good Catholic tradition of Christianity, I'll just begin in the name of the Father Perfect. and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And just say, Lord, we're just so grateful for this time together, mm-hmm. all those who are out here uh, working daily in the vineyard um, that are just serving you in all these corners that maybe go unseen by by a lot of folks uh, uh, in important places. Um, but that work is so important, and you bless us when we come and choose to serve you there. And so, Lord, just uh, give us a heart here as we approach the time of Movement Day. Um, open up our hearts to see you in the least of our brothers and sisters and to be moved with pity and compassion. And beyond that, to really understand as you come into us and who are we that you would come to us and allow us to serve you in this way. So just thank you, Lord. In your name, bless us. Amen. Amen. We, Paul and I pray that if you've heard this, you've been inspired for the work of God, that Jesus does love you. He really does and is calling you to a beautiful life of following him. And we encourage you to find others who are on that journey to motivate you. So, Paul, thank you for being here. God bless you, your work at Catholic Charities. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. Thanks, Tom Brown, for letting me pinch hit. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. We'd love to hear from you and get get involved in the movement that we see God doing in our cities. We are going to sign off for a while. God bless you. In Jesus' name, bye-bye.